Well, let's turn in God's Word to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 12. And here's where you can apply the word of reassurance that I gave you before. So it will not be the rest of the day uh, on this passage from God's Word. I really am interested particularly in just one phrase, really, of this passage. But let's read verses 1 to 12. And God's word says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, other translations say, as it happened, as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? And the foreman replied, She's the Moabites who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. As they went to work that morning, uh, neither Ruth nor Boaz could ever have dreamed uh, of how significant that day was going to turn out to be in God's great plan and God's great mission. Uh, this passage is about mission. Um, uh, over the 20 years I've been coming back to visit uh, Northern Ireland um, since we've gone to Spain, I've tried hard each year to take a different passage from a different book of the Bible to help uh, make clear that mission is the great backbone of Scripture. You don't need to go to the commission, the great commission in the four gospels to find passages about mission. This passage is about mission because so we know what's going to happen. You know the story. They don't know as they go to work that morning. We do. We're watching the film. They're the characters in the film. We know. They don't know. They're going to get married. They don't know, but we know they're going to have a son. They don't know, but we know that that son is going to turn out to be the grandfather of King David, the greatest king that Israel will ever have. They don't know, but we know 
that David will in turn turn out to be the ancestor of the Messiah, the Savior of the whole world. So this passage, as it happened, as it turned out, is on the high road, is on the great motorway that goes through Scripture. This passage is actually about God's mission for the whole world. Because it shows us clearly that God cares about woman from Moab. And that in itself is striking when we think back. We read through the Bible and we remind ourselves who, who were these people? Who, who were this ethnic group from Moab? Where did they come from? And we read in the book of Genesis that the origins of this people group are in the pain and the shame of incest. That God cares about people who have that in their family history. There are people who worshipped a, a God, an idol, who was worshipped with child sacrifice. You don't get much more evil than that. That's the background of Moab and the Moabite people. But God is concerned for a woman from that people group and from that nation. A woman who has known so much suffering in her own life. She's a widow. She's lost her husband. She's known grief. She's known poverty. She's known uh, migration forced by economic deprivation. And she knows danger. As she goes out that morning, and we find it referred to twice in the passage, uh, there is a clear danger. This is the time of the judges. You only have to turn back two pages and you have a scene where a man throws his wife out the door to a mob to save his own skin. And she's raped and she's killed. That's the time that we're living in. And God cares about that woman. This is great news. It means that God cares for you and for me. Uh, and this passage leads to that beautiful blessing in verse 12. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful blessings in the Bible, I think, where Boaz pronounces this blessing on Ruth, and he says to her, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. She is not from Israel, but he says, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Beautiful image God uses of himself as a mother hen gathering chicks under his wings. One of the people that is a volunteer in our office, he's a bird watcher by hobby. And so he commented on this metaphor as it surfaces in a different passage in the Psalms, in a passage in a week, a few weeks ago. And he told us, we didn't really know, that hens particularly do that at times of danger. So it's not just a picture of intimacy and the beautiful warm picture, it's a picture of protection. God spreading his wings and welcoming people in. And so it doesn't matter what people have done to you or what you have done, God extends his welcome to you. <laughs> that is a beautiful message to take with us across every ethnic boundary and every place on earth. So the first thing we draw out of this passage is very simply this, and this is really simple this morning. God's mission is God's work. God's mission is God's work. It's God is the one who is drawing people in. 
God is the one who cares about people, and God is the one who weaves things together. Isn't that interesting in verse 3, as it turned out? I wonder who wrote that. The Bible doesn't tell us. Um, it may have been David or Solomon, her great-grandson or great-great-grandson. Certainly it's written by someone who has a great ear for literature. It's so well written. But I wonder, are these Ruth's own words? It just turned out. It so happened. I wonder, is this the response to Granny Ruth? Would you tell us again how you met Granda Boaz? Well, do you know, as I went out that morning, we were hungry, we were desperate, I was a bit afraid, and as I walked out of town in that hot morning, and I looked at the different groups of people in the fields harvesting, and I thought, which one will I go to? Do you know, it just turned out that I happened to go to the field that was owned by your grandfather, Boaz. It sounds like it, doesn't it? It sounds like Ruth's own words as it turned out. Invisible. She couldn't have arranged it. But God wove her life together with that of Boaz. And God wants to draw her in too, like a mother hen drawing in chicks in times of danger. But where is it that Ruth experiences God's grace and favor? In Boaz's workplace, and we'll come back to that in a second. But we've had a beautiful example of how God is the one who's at work in people's lives in our church this last year. And I love this example because it proves God doesn't need us. You know, that's strange. You might think, what's a missionary doing telling you about how God doesn't need him? You know, God doesn't need you. But this is so encouraging. God's at work. It's God's work. And he's at work in a woman called Naomi. Curiously, she's called Naomi, but a Spanish Naomi. And she appeared walking into our church building last year and attended three Sundays in a row. She had found us on the internet, didn't know a single Christian, never been in any church building of any kind ever, walked in, was in our service three Sundays, and then disappeared. That isn't so strange. She was disappeared and gone for nine months, and then she reappeared again. And she's been at church every Sunday since, and she's just radiant with joy. What happened? She began to tell us her story. She had her life all together. She had a good job. She had a partner she loved, and uh, everything seemed to be going well for her. But increasingly, she felt her life was meaningless. It didn't lead anywhere. It wasn't important. There wasn't significance and transcendence in it. And they went on holiday. They went to Rome. It just so happened. They were wandering around museums and old churches and whatever, and she came face to face with a portrait, a painting of Christ. This is, and this is really interesting. As she stood there and stared at that painting, she feels God spoke to her and said, what you're looking for, you will find if you follow Jesus. And she didn't know anything about Jesus. She's totally secular. So she came back after that holiday and clearing and cleaning in her house one day, she found a Bible. She does not know how the Bible ended up in her house. She... Not, she's not sure. She thinks maybe it belonged to her father before he died. But she's not sure. But she thought, oh, the Bible, that, that's where, you know, that's Jesus' story is in there. And so she began to read the Bible. And before she ever crossed the threshold of our building, just through reading the Bible, she had already been converted. She had already given her life to Christ. But then you say, well, why did she disappear again? As the Lord's table was being served one morning, she was thinking about what she had read that week in the Bible. And she had discovered that Christians need to structure their relationships according to the 
principles of God's word. And she was living with a partner not being married to him. And no one had said it. We didn't know. And she drew the conclusion, I can't approach God whilst this is unresolved in my life. We might not have said that to her. But she drew that conclusion and she went away and she began saying to her partner, you know, I'm a Christian now. I'm following Christ. So everything in my life has got to be organized by what God tells us in the Bible. You've got to, we've got to get married. He didn't want to. And it went on for a number of months. So eventually she said, this is so important in my life that if you cannot see your way to marrying me, I'm sorry, but Christ comes first in my life and our relationship will have to end. And she, in the end, she said, I'm sorry, this relationship will end. And he left and then she reappeared in church. Now, who can, who can possibly say, but that's God? No one, we didn't even know about these situations in our life. But just through reading the Bible, she, her life was transformed. And she's radiant. We're hoping to baptize her on uh, the 5th of April. And what a, what a great example. God at work. But how did grace break into Ruth's life and where? In verse 10, she says, Why have I found such favor, such grace? And where does she find it? In Boaz's workplace. In his fields. Um, this is the second thing to draw out from this passage. Uh, what, why do we apply it to us? Well, can you take this with you? Tomorrow morning, as you go to wherever you expect to be, whether it's studies or work and office or sales rep, wherever you expect to be, we don't know, that's in God's hands, but wherever you expect to be, work with an eye to God's mission. You see, God will take some people like Ruth and call them to leave their culture and to leave their family and to go to another part of the world as part of God's great plan. He did it in Ruth's life. He took her from one country to another country, from one ethnic group to another ethnic group, and built her in to his plan for the world. And for some of you, that's you. And Maybe you've been wondering, is that God's plan for your life? And this is ringing bells in your heart. And that's you. But for others, God wants you to keep on working where you are, but to work with an eye to God's mission. I, I heard a sermon some months ago at our church retreat weekend, which just was about how to work as a Christian. And it was based on this passage. I'm not going to do that this morning. But look at some of the ways in which Boaz worked. He took his faith to work with him. Verse 4. Even the way he talks to people. The Lord bless you. Now, we don't want to force that. Obviously, in their time, in their culture, that was maybe natural, but that was not being said in the next field where women were being raped. His faith affected how he worked. He prays with someone at work, verse 12. Now, we can't force it, as I say, but whatever it means for you, take your faith with you to work. Sometimes that happens in an invisible way, because in verse 7, we find him, uh, setting up his workplace in ways which apply principles from God's word. Uh, in God's law, it said not to carefully reap all the corners of the field, not to go over a field a second time, because that would leave a certain small amount of grain for the poor, for the foreigners, for people that were the, in, in the margins of society. They could come afterwards and pick up what was left. And Boaz is doing it. The rest of society has abandoned those principles, but in his workplace, of course, he's the boss, so he can organize things. Uh, they are applying the principles of God's word. God's word. 
Thirdly, he works with diligence. So does Ruth, by the way. She's out in the hot sun all day picking up the grain and will thresh it at the end of the day. But what's he doing in the field? Well, he's checking up on the foreman, isn't he? Verse 5. He's checking up on the workers. Are they doing what they're meant to be doing? And he, as supervisor, he's doing what he's meant to do. He's working with diligence. He, fourthly, he protects others and provides for them. In verse 9, he makes sure that women feel safe in his workplace. In today's world, that rings bells, doesn't it? Just like it did back then. And he provides for them. He says, go and get a drink from the water jars, even though the men have filled it. Verse 9. Uh, and then, fifthly, he rewards diligence in others. Because I find this lovely. This is outside the passage we read. Jump down to verse 16. He wants to find a way to reward her hard work. He's, he's recognized that in words to her, verse 12, may the Lord repay you. But then in verse 16, he takes aside some of the men working them, uh, working the field, and he says, drop some extra for her. Why does he do it like that? Isn't this lovely, the respect he shows? He doesn't say, you know, at the end of the day, throw an extra bag of grain her direction. No, he basically puts her on a performance-based bonus, if you like. Uh, she's not on his salary roll, but he finds a way to make sure her work is going to be extra productive. And he does so with discretion. Uh, there's a lovely touch here, isn't there? And of course, the reason that this chimes with us, it rings bells, is that Boaz is working like Christ. There's a pattern being set here, which will ultimately, because you know your Bibles, these patterns eventually reach their maximum fulfillment in Christ. And we're not going to develop that this morning. But Boaz is working like Christ did, working with diligence, taking faith to work with him, loving others, protecting them, and providing for them. So, tomorrow morning, as you go to work, and we're finishing, we're wrapping up here, uh, where do you expect to be? Um, as you go to wherever God has you normally on a Monday morning, you have no idea how significant that day might be in God's plan. Just like Ruth and Boaz had no idea how significant that day in the office was going to turn out to be in God's big plan. So because we don't know that, can I encourage you in whatever you do to work with a view to God's mission? And may God bless you here in Belfast as you also support us and you pray for us as we also in Spain seek to work with a view to God's mission over there. Thank you very much.